0: welcome to the denver snuffer podcast this is part one of a special series on the true vine where denver answers the question why is christ referred to as the true vine in scripture and what can we learn from this analogy
1: once again um joseph uh, is called by name this is verse 33 Um, he was afraid the fear soon left him The reason he was afraid was because he was seeking forgiveness of his sins. A perfectly white, bright, lit individual appears who represents the cleanliness of heaven itself. Joseph, in contrast to that, he's inquiring to know about his sins. Now, a visibly cleansed being stands before him. He's afraid. And why is he afraid? Because, once again, you see the remarkable contrast. I know what lies in my heart. I know what failings I have had. And I know this being can see through me. Therefore, I need something that will remove from me my fear. He called me by name. It's the same thing. Moroni dispels him by letting him know we have a brother. We have a relationship. Fear soon left me. He called me by name. <laughs> well, this is what we want to talk about. He's, he tells him about the the stuff, the accouterments that he's going to be handed in verse, uh, you know, thirty four and thirty five. But then he gets in verse thirty six, and this is where, ooh, this is where we got something now. This is Moroni delivering a message, but his message is not like we find in the King James Version of the Bible. He says, Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall burn as stubble. For they, they that come shall burn them, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch." Root, branch, genealogical words. They that come, who are they? Again, he quoted the fifth verse. Behold, I'll reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He quoted the next verse differently. He said, he shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers, and the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers. If it were not so, the whole earth would be utterly wasted. It is coming. Oh, we'll probably get this parsed about um, Spanish Fork um, in the coming year. Everything about this is telling you something that is remarkably different from where we find ourselves. The day is coming that will burn them. When? They that come, who, neither root nor branch. This is genealogical. Elijah, the priesthood. We'll talk about that on another day. Children get planted in their hearts. Promises made to the fathers. Children's hearts turn to their fathers. There is so much in that that... We need to pick apart. We need to understand. And we're going to go there because understanding this is understanding the foundation of Zion. The foundation of Zion consists largely in reconnecting the children as a consequence of the promises that were made to the fathers back to the fathers so that there might be a wielding link that connects the children who are on the earth with the fathers who are in heaven, not your kindred dead that are in the spirit world. They are in desperate need of your ministration to save them. Connecting yourself to them is to connect yourself with essentially the damned, the dead, the disembodied. The fathers who are in heaven are the ones to whom you need to form the link. And I've written that paper on it, which I assume some of you have read. And if you haven't, just send a note to the blog and I'll, I'll email it to you. Uh, it's the mission of Elijah Reconsidered. Um, but see, the whole purpose behind this is to fix this problem, because if it were not so, the whole earth would be utterly wasted, utterly wasted at his coming. Then he says... Um, Quoted the 11th chapter of Isaiah saying that it was about to be fulfilled. Okay, Um, let's go back to that 11th chapter of Isaiah because, man, if we made a mess of that. Okay, this is um, about to be fulfilled. There shall come forth, this is chapter 11 of Isaiah. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. The rod is a servant who is a descendant of Jesse, who is a Levite, and Ephraim, unto whom is rightly belonging the priesthood. Um, Keep your finger there on that eleven. Uh, Chapter 11 of Isaiah, and turn back to Doctrine and Covenants, section 113, and you'll see where um, these words are are, um, explained. Um, Who is the stem spoken of? um, Verily, thus saith the Lord, it is Christ. Verse 3. What is the rod spoken of in the fifth verse of the 11th chapter of Isaiah that should come? Of the stem of Jesse, behold, saith the Lord, it is a servant, a servant in the hands of Christ, who's partly a descendant of Jesse, as well as of Ephraim, or of the house of Joseph, on whom there is laid much power. Well, look, until you succeed, you fail. I don't care who comes along claiming whatever they want to claim. Until the work is done, you can't take credit for it. Period. There's all kinds of nonsense that circulates about, who has the keys? Button, button, who's got the button? (laughs) Look, someone's going to do a work. When the work is done, you will know. Until the work is done... No one can be identified with a role, period. It is arrogance, it is pretentiousness, it is foolishness for anyone to step forward and to say, I, I, I am that man. Do the work. Finish the course. Fulfill the covenant. You do that, you can take the name. Until you do the work, it's just noise. So there's going to come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord Oh, thank God, someone will finally fear the Lord more than they fear man. I look forward to that moment. We shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. We shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. In this context it is the word of God, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked, and the righteous shall be the girdle of his righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. These things are shortly to come to pass. And the cow and the bear shall feed, and the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The suckling child shall play and hold the asp, and the wean child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, um it's knowledge full of knowledge of the Lord. That's what you have to lay hold on. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left. Well, it shall shortly come to pass. Not then, not that day, by and by. You know, when a branch is spoken of, if you look at John 15, to 6, I'm not going to do that because our time is far spent, but Christ gives a sermon about him being the true vine and how you cannot bear fruit unless you're connected to the true vine. Once again, that is a genealogical term. That is a family of God term. That is a son of God term. And he intends to make many sons of God. Joseph is receiving in this first interview with the angel Moroni an announcement about the first indications of the restoration of God's intent to restore a holy family. God is telling us what he wants. He, God, wants to have upon the earth again his family, But we must respond. We. This is your dispensation. This is your time. You came down here with the intent of living and finding the things that will bring you back. This is your opportunity. Don't let some other group claim that it doesn't belong to you These scriptures are only going to be fulfilled when enough people awake and arise to realize that it is devolving upon you the obligation to find, to heed, to seek, to search, to pray, to obey, and to form what is necessary in order to fulfill the promises and the covenants that were made to the fathers. Well... Tonight, we're going to talk about covenants, and um, in particular, covenants that are being referred to in a verse that we find in the Joseph Smith history, verse 39, um, Moroni um, changing the content of the text of Malachi to render it to Joseph Smith on this um, uh, fall equinox Um, occasion to read this this way and he shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers and the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers if it were not so the whole earth would be utterly wasted at his coming so there is some peril If we do not have our hearts turned to these fathers. That peril is that we will be utterly wasted at his coming if we fail. But his coming is not limited merely to the singular him being the Lord. If you go back to verse 37 it says they that come shall burn them. And therefore when he comes they that come with him. Um, shall burn those who are unprepared those who are scheduled for being utterly wasted it is coming and so um, we need to inquire into what exactly it is the promises were who the fathers were that the promises were made to and then avoid This peril of those who come burning them, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, terms which in Boise I referred to as being genealogical, because it becomes the end of the line at that point. In looking at the promises that were made, I want to go back to 2 Nephi chapter 3 and begin there, which we also referred to earlier. Because when we're tracking back the covenants that were made and we're talking about the promises that were made to the fathers and we're trying to identify who the fathers are, we get a a real advantage in making the determination by what we have in um, Lehi's um, blessing to his son Joseph. Beginning at verse 4 of chapter 3 of uh, 2 Nephi, Lehi says, I am a descendant of Joseph who was carried away captive into Egypt, and great were the covenants of the Lord which he made unto Joseph. As soon as you encounter the word covenants, an alarm ought to go off because much of what's going to go on in the history of the world is going to go on as a consequence of these covenants that have been made. One of the possessors of those promises and covenants being uh, Joseph, who had been carried away captive into Egypt. Wherefore, Joseph truly saw our day, meaning Lehi's day. And and when Lehi is talking, he's talking about events that he believed that Joseph of Egypt had foreseen about what would happen in his own day. He obtained a promise of the Lord that out of the fruit of his loins, the Lord God would raise up a righteous branch under the house of Israel. Not the Messiah, but a branch which was to be broken off. Nevertheless, to be remembered in the covenants of the Lord, that the Messiah should be made manifest unto them in the latter days, in the spirit of power, and to the bringing of them out of darkness. Joseph truly testified, verse 6 A seer shall the Lord God raise up, who shall be a choice seer unto the fruit of my loins. Yea, Joseph truly said, Thus saith the Lord unto me, A choice seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins. And he goes on to talk about this choice seer is going to bring them to the knowledge of the covenants which I have made with thy fathers. So the assignment that is given to this choice seer, descendant of Joseph, is that this person is going to bring to the world, to us, to the descendants, to um, the people in the last days, knowledge concerning covenants which God had made with thy fathers. Thy fathers in this statement being thy fathers, Joseph, Joseph. Of Egypt, So the promises that God made to fathers before Joseph of Egypt, a seer is going to restore the knowledge about that. It may be complex wording, but it's dealing with very simple events and uh, the identities are important. I will give unto him, that is this choice seer, a commandment that he shall do none other work. That is to say, he will not cause Zion to come. That was not the assignment of the choice seer. Joseph Smith was not in charge of and not required to do the work of bringing again Zion. None other work, save the work which I shall command him. I will make him great in mine eyes, for he shall do my work. He shall be great alike unto Moses, whom I said I would deliver up. Verse 11, but a seer I will raise up out of the fruit of thy loins, unto him will I give power to bring forth my word unto the seed of thy loins. In verse um, 12, it talks about how there's going to be this restoration of knowledge of their fathers in the latter days. Also to the knowledge of my covenant, saith the Lord. Um, And then in 15, it says his name should be called after me. It should be after the name of his father, after me being Joseph of Egypt. So the name should be Joseph. That will also be the name of his father. He should be likened to me. For the thing which the Lord God shall bring forth by his hand, by the power of the Lord, shall bring my people unto salvation. And then he goes on and he tells Lehi, tells his son in verse 23, because of this covenant, that is the one that was done with Joseph of Egypt, he, the son of Lehi, is blessed. For his, the son of Lehi's seed, shall not be destroyed. They shall hearken unto the words of the book, and there shall rise up one mighty among them. I talked about that in Boise. And so, if Joseph Smith fulfills the prophecy that was delivered to Joseph, that is recovered in part in the Book of Mormon, in this third chapter of 2 Nephi, then Joseph Smith should give to us the ability to know something about these covenants that were made with the fathers. Well, we do not have to rely upon um, merely what we have in 2 Nephi chapter 3. Nor do we have to have the brass plates, as it turns out. Because Joseph Smith restored the prophecy of Joseph of Egypt. And you can read it right now in the uh, Joseph Smith translation. Beginning in Genesis chapter 50... At verse 24, it reads slightly different than Lehi's summation given, and Lehi's choice of what he um, adds in and what he selects out, and what Joseph says. Uh, have some interesting things. It's it's absolutely worth your time to study out all the differences and to and to pick apart what it is that Lehi did because it tells you much about Father Lehi, what he chose to include and what he chose to pass over. However, for our purposes tonight, um, I want to look at what was said to Joseph that we find in the Joseph Smith translation, Genesis chapter fifty beginning at verse 24. Joseph of Egypt says, The Lord hath visited me, and I have obtained a promise of the Lord. This is what Lehi will refer to in his prophecy, to his son Joseph, as a covenant. Because when the Lord delivers a promise to someone, he delivers it by way of covenant. God is bound by his word. Therefore, when he delivers a promise, it is a covenant. I have obtained a promise of the Lord that out of the fruit of my loins, this is the covenant with Joseph of Egypt, out of his loins, the Lord God will raise up a righteous branch out of my loins. So that is talking about Joseph of Egypt, one of the sons of Israel, one of the 12 tribes. And, now we're changing topics. And, Unto thee, whom my father Jacob hath named Israel. So this is not just the descendants of Joseph. This is all of the twelve tribes. Raised up unto all of the twelve tribes a prophet, not the Messiah who is called Shiloh. And this prophet shall deliver my people out of Egypt in the days of thy bondage. That's a covenant about deliverance to be had for all the tribes of Israel, not merely um, the descendants of Joseph. And it shall come to pass that they, that is all of Israel, shall be scattered again, and a branch shall be broken off, and shall be carried into a far country. Nevertheless, they shall be remembered in the covenants of the Lord when the Messiah cometh. For he shall be made manifest unto them in the latter days. Now, when is that? Is it when he was resurrected and he appears in Third Nephi? Or is the latter days some other time? In the spirit of power. And shall bring them out of darkness into light. Out of hidden darkness and out of captivity into freedom. A seer shall the Lord my God raise up. Who shall be a choice seer unto the fruit of My, that is, Joseph's loins. Different topic, different person, different time frame. Thus saith the Lord God of my fathers. This is Joseph speaking. His fathers would include at a minimum Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His fathers, in the plural, unto me. So the Lord God of Joseph's fathers said unto him, A choice seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy, that is, Joseph's loins. He shall be esteemed highly among the fruit of thy, that is, Joseph's loins. And unto him will I give a commandment, that he shall do a work for the fruit of thy, that is, Joseph's loins, and his brethren, that is, other members of Israel. And he shall bring them to the knowledge of the covenants which I have made with thy fathers." Now we're beginning to have laid out in the restoration through Joseph Smith part of what it is that we need to know in order to avoid being utterly wasted. He, the seer, shall do whatsoever work I shall command him, and I will make him great in mine eyes, for he shall do my work. And he, that is Joseph of Egypt's descendant, seer, he shall be great like unto him whom I have said I would raise up unto you to deliver my people, O house of Israel. Him that he's going to raise up is Moses. Okay? For a seer will I raise up to deliver my people out of the land of Egypt. This is Moses. He shall be called Moses, and by this name he shall be known that he is of thy house, that is, O house of Israel. That's the house, not Joseph's, the house of Israel for he shall be nursed by the king's daughter and shall be called her son. And again, so we're changing topics again, a seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy, that is Joseph's loins, and unto him, that is this seer, will I give power to bring forth my word unto the seed of thy loins. That's Joseph's seer, and he's to give us God's word. And then he goes on to say in verse 31, the fruit of thy loins, that is Joseph's loins, shall write, the fruit of the loins of Judah shall write, that which shall be written by the fruit of thy loins, that which would, uh, um, also that which shall be written by the fruit of the loins of Judah shall grow together into the confounding of false doctrine, laying down of contentions and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins, a yet future event, and bringing them to a knowledge of their fathers in the latter days, And also to the knowledge of my covenants, saith the Lord. Joseph's seers to do this. This is what Moroni is telling Joseph in verse 39 of the Joseph Smith history. Out of weakness shall he be made strong in that day when my work shall go forth among all my people. All my people include all of the various branches of Israel, which shall restore them who are of the house of Israel in the last days. That's the objective to fix and reconnect the house of Israel, restoring them in the last days. And that seer will I bless, and they that seek to destroy him shall be confounded, for this promise I give unto you, Joseph of Egypt. For I will remember you, Joseph of Egypt, from generation to generation, and his, that latter-day seer, his name shall be called Joseph as if the Lord himself wanted to be had in remembrance in all generations, Joseph of Egypt. Joseph of Egypt who was sold into slavery. Joseph of Egypt who kept his faith. Joseph of Egypt who was sold into slavery by the um, jealousy of brothers whom he only sought to declare the truth to. His name should be called Joseph. It should be after the name of his father. So his father should be that too. He should be likened to you, that is, likened to Joseph of Egypt. For the thing which the Lord shall bring forth by his hand shall bring up my people unto salvation. And the Lord swear unto Joseph that he would preserve his, Joseph's seed, forever, saying, I will raise up Moses, and a rod shall be in his hand, and he shall gather together my people, he shall lead them as a flock, He shall smite the waters of the Red Sea with his rod. He shall have judgment. He shall write the word of the Lord. He shall not speak many words, for I will write unto him my law by my finger of mine own hand, and I will make a spokesman for him, and his name shall be called Aaron. It shall be done unto thee in the last days also, even as I have sworn. So the Lord to Joseph is swearing. It is from this text that Father Lehi lifts out what Father Lehi lifts out in order to um, write what he composes in 2 Nephi chapter 3 in the patriarchal blessing he gives to his son Joseph. Um, the names Joseph and the son named Joseph commending to the mind of Lehi uh, attention to this very material that we've just looked at. And so, if the seer of the last days... Who was responsible for completing this assignment and fulfilling this uh, foretold opportunity is Joseph Smith. Then, through Joseph Smith, we should be able to say, we can learn something about knowledge of covenants, covenants that were made with the fathers, and the seer will do none other work. He will have power to bring forth God's words. He will restore knowledge of their fathers. He will restore knowledge of God's covenants. He will restore ultimately a basis that makes the house of Israel alive again. His name will be after Joseph of Egypt. It will be the same name as his father, that is Joseph. And in every particular, Joseph Smith seems to be the one about whom this is written and therefore doesn't seem that we need to look for another chapter 4 of um, second nephi talks about this is nephi now interjecting he that is joseph verse 2 of chapter 4 he joseph of egypt truly prophesied concerning all his seed all his seed include not just the folks that were included in the tribe of Manasseh and um, uh, through, um, through others that joined the party, Ephraim, descendants of uh, Joseph in the Book of Mormon, but it includes as well uh, other portions of the tribe of Joseph scattered wherever they were throughout the world, many of whom may be here among us tonight in your bloodlines. Well, it's not a prophecy about Joseph's seed only. It's it's talking about um, uh, the ministry of this Latter-day prophet and this Latter-day prophet restoring knowledge. Through Joseph, then, we should be able to find knowledge of covenants made to the fathers and to identify who the fathers are. All right, so... I want to skip to the time period that is relevant to our day in Jacob chapter 5, beginning at verse 48, because all the rest of that stuff is past history, and what we're trying to do now is to figure out from where we are how we get to the spot in which we might not be um, burned up root and branch. Beginning at verse 48, and it came to pass that the servant said unto his master, is it not the loftiness of the vineyard? Have not the branches thereof overcome the roots which are good. That is to say, the roots, um, the original covenant, the original stock from which we reckon, they were good. But we've become lofty in the way in which we approach things, and as a consequence of that, we have done something that has so cumbered the construct of where we find ourselves that we've... Um, essentially destroyed the ability of the roots to do us any good. And because the branches have overcome the roots thereof, behold, they grew faster than the strength of the roots, taking strength unto themselves, that is, their pride, their haughtiness. They decided that they were driving this and not the covenants that were originally made in the beginning. Behold, I say, is this not the cause, that the trees of the vineyard have all become corrupted? And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard said unto the servant, Let us go down, let us go to, and hew down the trees of the vineyard, and cast them into the fire, that they shall not cumber the ground of my vineyard. For I have done all. What could I have done more for my vineyard? But behold, the servant said unto the Lord of the vineyard, Spare it a little longer. And the Lord said, yeah, we'll spare it a little longer, for it grieveth me that I should lose the trees in my vineyard. See, the Lord, despite the fact that he can't think of anything else that he's left undone in all of his preparations. And and it is only that. It is only his preparations. Um go to Doctrine and Covenants section 19. And look at what it is that the Lord did for us in the atonement. In describing what he went through in verse 19 of section 19 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord says, Glory be to the Father, I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. That's what he did. And he has finished that. He finished his preparations. But 20 now is us. Wherefore I command you again. To repent, lest I humble you with my almighty power. That's us. He's done his part. What more could he do? Well, the only other thing he could do is rob us of our agency. And he's not prepared to do that. Because our existence then would come to an end. Because without the freedom to choose, we don't have existence. Therefore, what more could he have done? But it does grieve him that he's going to lose the trees of his vineyard. Wherefore, the Lord says, let us take of the branches of these which I have planted in the nethermost parts of my vineyard, that's where we find ourselves, and let us graft them into the tree from whence they came. That is, let's restore the covenant, or at least make it possible for it to be so. And let us pluck from the tree those branches whose fruit is most bitter, that's coming, and graft in the natural branches of the tree in the stead thereof. And this will I do, that the tree may not perish, that perhaps, perhaps, on the off chance that, that without the ability to control the outcome, that depending upon what you decide to do, perhaps the Lord may preserve unto himself the roots thereof for mine own purpose." That is, some of the promises that were made back to the fathers that their seed would not be utterly destroyed might be fulfilled, perhaps. How great a number is required in order for the Lord to vindicate His promise. It's not numerosity. It's never been about a big volume. It's the quality of the salvation. Because if you can save but one, what you have saved is infinite and eternal. And therefore it continues on forever. Behold, the roots of the natural branches of the tree which I planted whithersoever I would are yet alive. Those ...promises remain. They are still in play. What the Father promised... ...what the covenants that were established... ...did... ...remain in play. It is yet possible... ...for the Lord... ...to vindicate everything that has been... ...has been given. Wherefore... ...that I may preserve them also... ...for mine own purpose... I will take of the branches of this tree and I will graft them in unto them. This is the process by which the house of Israel is restored. Not in the way that you mass produce. But in the way in which some rise up and lay hold upon That original religion that belonged to the fathers, that came down from the beginning, that existed one time, that is to exist again. Yea, I will graft into them the branches of their mother tree, that I may preserve the roots also into mine own self. Notice the word mother appears in there too the mother tree. When they may be sufficiently strong, perhaps they may bring forth good fruit unto me, that I may yet have glory in the fruit of my vineyard. And then they go through things. Verse 61 call servants that we may labor diligently with our might in the vineyard, that we may prepare the way, that I may bring forth again the natural fruit. That's the whole purpose of the endeavor. And when they call servants in order to help them, the labor of the servants is confined to trying to make the vineyard finally produce fruit again. Verse 62. Let us go too and labor with our might this last time. For behold, the end draweth nigh. And this is for the last time that I shall prune my vineyard. He tells him again in verse 64, The last time, for the end draweth nigh. And if it so be that these last grafts shall grow and shall bring forth natural fruit, then ye shall prepare the way for them that they may grow. Again in verse 71, For behold, this is the last time that I shall nourish my vineyard for the end is nigh, the season speedily cometh. If you labor with your might with me, you shall have joy in the fruit which I shall lay up unto myself against the time which, soon, which will soon come. And it came to pass the servants did go and labor with their mites. And the Lord of the vineyard labored also with them. Because the Lord in the last effort is not going to leave the servants that he sent unattended to by his ministration. This is why, in the verses we've been reading, in every location we've been at, we find the personal ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ direct, immediate, and involved. He continues to remain personally in charge of what is going to happen. But as it begins to happen they have to sit back and watch. Because the question isn't, is the labor um, any less, any well prepared, any less capable, any less complete. The question is, what are the branches going to do? You can, you can minister all you want to the tree, But the tree has to respond sometimes to what they view as offensive pruning, offensive digging, offensive conduct of cutting and moving and grafting and saying, what you have here is error. What you have here is a bundle of false tradition That will damn you. You can plant the doctrine. You can restore the truth. You can have the prophet Joseph Smith declare to you. That he wants to be held to account for every word of the testimony that he delivers to you. In a canonized set of scripture. But if you decide that you're going to throw that away. And you will not allow it to graft in and inform you about the nature of God and the nature of the religion that God is seeking to deliver to you, then the ministration and the pruning and the care does not result in fruit. It simply results in a rather damaged vineyard continuing to produce Precious little other than what is suitable to be gathered in bundles and burned. The loftiness of the people. Grafting is to restore, to reconnect, to return. Or, in other words, to plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers. And the hearts of the children shall turn to the fathers. That's what Moroni said. That's why Moroni reworked the language of Malachi in verse 39 of the Joseph Smith history. He shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers, and the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers. The work has been for one purpose... Joseph Smith began it. And he laid out all of the information necessary for you to be able to identify who the fathers are. And he laid out all the information necessary for you to be able to identify what the covenants were. And now, the question is, are we able at this point to preserve the roots, which is the Lord's purpose, by producing fruit in our day. Well, I'm hoping as a consequence of the things that we've looked at tonight that you conclude that the choice seer in 2 Nephi chapter 3 verse 7 and in Genesis chapter 50 was more than answered by the ministry of the prophet Joseph Smith. And I hope that you conclude that the knowledge that was supposed to be restored through Joseph of the fathers and the covenants Given to the fathers that will ultimately result in restoring Israel, it's referred to in Second Nephi chapter three verse fifteen, has also been something that Joseph Smith accomplished.
0: The foregoing excerpts are taken from Denver's Forty Years in Mormonism series, talk number one entitled "Be of Good Cheer," given in Boise, Idaho, on September thirtieth, two thousand thirteen and Denver's 40 Years in Mormonism series, Talk number 4, entitled Covenants, given in Centerville, Utah, on October 6, 2013. For more information about upcoming Christian Fellowship conferences, meetings, and events, please visit restorationarchives.com. There you will also find a complete collection of Denver's talks, lectures, and papers, available to download free of charge. You can request baptism by visiting bornofwater.org. If you have questions or ideas for topics that you would like to have covered in this podcast, please submit them for consideration to questions at denversnufferpodcast.com. This podcast is a volunteer effort produced under the direction of Denver Snuffer. We hope you'll share it with everyone interested in learning more about Christ, the coming Zion, and the restoration of authentic Christianity now underway in our time.